My name is Mimi A. And I'm Hung Black. And on this very, very special Christmas episode of the MSG Pod, please welcome the legend, the lady, the national treasure known as Nigella Lawson! (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is an absurd introduction and thank you for it. Thank you for joining us for the MSG Pod's Christmas episode. Now, you obviously don't need an introduction, but I'm going to give you one anyway. You've done 12 books, 12 incredible books. Um, they were, they've all been kind of repackaged into beautiful graphic editions. Hung and I both have your repackaged Nigella Christmas, which is sparkly and glittery and just kind of speaks to my very soul. Your latest book, Cook, Eat, Repeat, has just come out. Um, it's an it's an essay based. I think it, it feels to me like a real labour of love because it's much more conversational than maybe your last few books have been. It's it's thoughtful in a way that meant that when I actually got the book, I sat down and, and read it in a whole evening because it felt more like I was reading a novel than I was reading a recipe book. I also love the fact that you that there's alliteration in there. Like you taught me a new word, Kate. I didn't know what Kate's meant, the Kate of the Connoisseur, and I had to look that up. And, and now I'm going to try and throw it in every conversation, even though it, Good. it'll it be really, really ham-fisted. <laughs> um, and you even put some really terrible puns in there, like no pleasure without pan, which I love. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> A friend of mine said to me, I'm going to have to spend, it's going to have to take me some time to forgive you for that. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the I love pun, it. food I love pun. It. <laughs> But obviously, it's called Cook, Eat, Repeat. And you you said that for you, this is something, it's been like your mantra during the past however many months. Um, tell years. Tell us a little bit more. My whole life. Years. Years. Okay. I mean, because this title predates the pandemic, I'm afraid, you know. Ah, okay. So what does Cook, Eat, Repeat mean to you? Well, I think it means that there is a rhythm and there's a structure to life. And I think it's certainly true that in the last year, it's been needed more because every the days can feel so amorphous and baggy. And somehow having these fixed points gives a sense that there is order. And I think it's for me as well that what I, there's so many things within that, both the, the I think what takes the pressure off cooking at home is that you're gonna need to, cook again the next day and so that you can really try anything you want and if you don't like it you don't do it again or if you like it but you think oh no I want to do it differently you can and this it's not all I think it's not all predicated on this one important meal and if you don't do it right that's terrible and I think so much of writing about food is uh is weighted towards sort of entertaining with a capital E when actually we need to eat every day and that sort of cooking can be quite stressful. But when you, so it's the day-to-day cooking, I think, that you always know there's another day, there's another chance, there's another way to make something differently. And sort of beyond that, I think repetition is something that is very soothing. You know, you've got young children, I know, and so you know that, you know how they like the same stories over and over again. (laughs) And, they, it, and there's some, there's a ritualistic element of repetition that is quite important. So, and I think that's behind so much of cooking, not just that you repeat the same dishes, and I certainly do often, because I'm someone, when I like eating something, I feel much better if I know I can eat it as often as possible the next, you know, weeks. But also that you're essentially doing, repeating little tasks or acts that you do all the time, peeling a potato, chopping an onion, stirring. And I think those give you fixed points 
And that's what allows you to be creative and to be spontaneous. And, and I think that's important. Whether you're cooking or not, you know, it's the same in the rest of life. We need a certain amount of framework, but we don't want to be imprisoned by it. It's there to free us up, but because those things are always there. And I, and I think that there is something about that which makes cooking relaxing. But, you know, and uh, I don't know, really. I mean, my sister actually thought of the title for the book. And when she did, I just thought, oh, this is so right. And it was last year sometime, you know, so who, you know, who knew how right it was going to be? It is. It's strangely prescient. Um, and it, it's kind of funny because I was reading, you know, um, your What is a Recipe? I guess that kind of touches on a lot of what you've just said mm. about how it's great to have a framework, but at the same time, if you're too strict, then you kind of end up tying yourself in knots and then other people might yeah. feel a bit beholden. Like, for example, I've, I've made I've made your Black Forest brownies, but I thought I had hazelnuts and I didn't. So I put pecans in it instead. Lovely. Um, which also seems apt because obviously we're recording this on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and that's the thing, you see, cooking is allows for so many things to be different and I think that maybe the what is a recipe title is maybe of all you know particular interest to those of us who write recipes because it's a difficult thing to get right because it you know it, you want you want to give enough there that a recipe really can be followed and you know someone who follows it to the letter I mean bearing in mind that pans change that diff, you know people cook well, in different you give measurements don't you, you whether you it's electric or not well i do give measurements i do but i just try and say this is what i use not because i think people should go out and get the same ones but obviously if i'm talking about something reducing it's going to be my i often use a pan that's fairly shallow and wide and so i feel that will be quicker i don't know how <laughs> helpful it is i never know i put the measurements in i take them out i put them back in again so it's that thing of allowing the anarchy <laughs> of cooking if you like to express itself while at the same time not leaving people who are perhaps not terribly confident stranded so you need to give enough but it's difficult because people always say, I don't know if you get, you must get queries as well, you know, when they say, will it work with something else? And it's not really about whether it will work or not. I mean, a baking recipe is somewhat different, but it, it isn't going to be the same thing. And it's fine because you don't have to make the same thing. But it's very, very, it is very difficult Um to to express that i wanted to have a bit of, you know because often it's i'm just on twitter trying to express it so i wanted i wanted in a way to to have a bit more space to express that to say well you could and i don't know and it, but also those of us who write recipes are not all-knowing creatures until i make know. something i don't know and i really don't know whether what it will be like and also everyone has a different palette this is true you know, it's very hard to say. But I mean, I always get slightly mystified when people always do the lead ingredient and want to take it out. <laughs> if you've written a recipe all around one ingredient and someone says, what can I use instead of that? I always, it's always feels rude to say, just choose yeah, another I'm recipe. Just to give the, 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 the infamous Nigel Slater response. So, <laughs> so funny. Um, it was about aubergines, yeah. wasn't it? It yeah. was like an aubergine recipe at the weekend and someone said, I don't like aubergines. What should I put And he said, so please, please forgive me. And he sort of said, please forgive me, but it's an aubergine recipe, you know. <laughs> Yes, well, that's the right, that is the right thing to say. But, you know, it is difficult because you don't want to be rude. 
And there are, but I do find, I actually prefer it always if I've tried something. I don't mind speculating in a, you know, in a stew or something, what things might be like, because you, you would. You know, so I do, I do like to try things myself before I absolutely say to people, go ahead. But that's more with baking. Yeah, well, that's the other thing that I was going to say. I think, I don't know, maybe, I, I find that you're actually one of those unusual people that seem to be equally comfortable with baking and with kind of no, normal cooking. That sounds terrible. Yeah, cooking rather than baking. Yeah. Because, you know, you were saying about the anarchy of cooking. Baking isn't something that encourages anarchy, but cooking is. So. You're right. You're right. And I have to say, I came to baking very late because I was 40 when How to Be a Domestic Goddess came out. And that was, I had never really baked. So when I was doing How to Eat, I, mean, I baked a bit, not much. Um, and I suppose I started baking a bit because I had small children and it was an easy thing to do with them. But I had, I oh had, <laughs> I had grown up thinking there were cooks and there were bakers and I was definitely a cook. And then... I started doing a bit of baking and I did some in, in How to Eat and then I thought, this is a complete scam. Baking is, e <laughs> baking is easy. <laughs> Everyone wants to give this mystique and it actually is... And I, and I grew to love baking. Now, because I am someone who doesn't like obeying rules, I push it as far as I can go and I test an awful lot. I try and keep the structure there. I mean, the real truth is I'm not technical enough to understand all the rules, but I just, you know, I, I sort of try out an awful lot. But I do enjoy baking, and I don't know what it is about that, because, of course, it's, it's very different from cooking. But I think what it is, slightly, is maybe sometimes it is uh, gratifying to, to make something which is so contained and you can sort of rely on it and you know how it will come out but i also think and i wrote about this in the beginning of domestic goddess you know ironic title <laughs> that human beings have a fantasy about trans transformation and i found it quite extraordinary that you know you know when you're making a stew you know like you're making it and you've got the onions and carrots and i know beef shin or whatever it might be you can't, by cooking it, you know what it's going to be, really. I mean, you might not know everything, but it, uh, you can imagine it. And yet this sort of extraordinary th transformation whereby eggs, sugar, flour and butter turn into a cake is so it, miraculous. It feels like alchemy. Every time. <laughs> and so I think it's, it is. I always say to people, it's a mixture of poetry and chemistry. And I think that, and so I enjoy that. I mean, I have more of a savoury tooth than a sweet tooth so that I'm unlikely to bake just for myself, although I make bread. Um, but I like it. I do, I do enjoy baking and I'm a One lot. One thing I did notice also, especially in Cook, Eat, Repeat, is that a lot of your baking recipes seem to be verging towards the accidentally gluten-free. Is, is that a conscious thing or, or have you... Rice flour um, seems to appear much more than plain flour. Yes, I like rice flour, but I can use it. I like rice, rice flour you know, in, in baking, I in sometimes I try things out as a, a as a gluten-free thing because people always ask. And then I think, oh, no, I like this version more. But I, I, do, I do like anyway those, my favourite sort of cakes on the whole are those quite 
heavy, dense, um, moist, you know, ones. <laughs> yeah, made with you know almonds, things like that. Mm. So I'm very, I'm very happy with those cakes. I'm not sure there are certain cakes that need gluten, but I do quite like those cakes that I would often make with ground almonds anyway. Most cakes can be improved by, you know, taking out most of the flour and putting ground almonds in, I think. This is one of the saddest things that's happened to me in the last three years is that I've become allergic to nuts suddenly. God, how frightening. And it's really sad. It's really, it's really sad because, you know, I, you know, your lemon polenta and almond cake, you know, that was on my yeah. uh, list of go-tos. Um, your marzipan cake, which sort of reappeared in the most recent book. Yeah, you know, it's one yeah. of, sort of my favourites as well. So, that, so that's quite, that that's quite sad. Difficult. So I'm having to replace... Yes. Uh, almonds you know back with flour now so they're not they're not turning out quite as good as yes. they used to you know and texture wise as well i wonder whether you could use semolina or to have that slightly sometimes. sort of uh, grainy texture mm. yeah i'll have to give that a go yes and hopefully maybe just uh, replace like for like there yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like the peanut butter cake that you had on the, this week's episode. Yeah, it in, absolutely incredible. Well, do you know what though? What I want to make it as well, totally differently. In one of my books, and I, I think it's the last one, but it could be the one before. I've got a chocolate cake with a coffee buttercream, mm. and I love chocolate and coffee together. So I wouldn't mind make, but it has. It's not made in the same way. It isn't this incredibly moussey buttercream with the with the double cream whipped in? And I might try that. So if I have a, if I'm successful with that, I'll let you know, so you can let you all know that Yay. you can make, have it with coffee Thank instead. You. Thank you. <laughs> can can we talk about the TV show a little bit? Um, so yes, um, we do. Basically, my kind of tiny corner of a uh, Asian food Twitter. And we're absolutely loving Asian Nigella, which is kind of what we've called you, Asian <laughs> Nigella, in the um, first few episodes of Cooking Good. Repeat. Um, and Angela Hui, um, who is freelance and she writes for like Vice and um, mm. Eater magazine. Yeah, yeah, she wrote, know, but she basically seen. asked you, um, can you please just give the people what, what they want and dedicate your new show to different Lao Ganma recipes each week? <laughs> So what we want to know is when 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 did your love of the BBC wouldn't like that? <laughs> when did your love of flour gamma crispy chili oil start? About six years ago, I think. And um, a friend of mine introduced me to the one with the peanuts in. Sorry to say that to you. Yeah, no, it's delicious. That's not just it's gorgeous. That stuff. Yeah. And I th- and I like that. Although I do like the plain one more. And then I started getting it in more when my children are back because they adore it and then I, I just you know couldn't stop and I think now I feel it's easier to write a recipe using some of it because it's probably easier to get and yeah. um, people know about it more I mean I don't mind every now and then having an ingredient that's you know not automatically known no, I do love it. I mean, it wouldn't. In a way, though, I always feel slightly embarrassed because I feel you really don't need to do a recipe. You could put that in pretty much. You could sort of you could boil up rather badly some bits of things in just in water. As long as you oh, stirred yeah. that in <laughs> yeah. at the end, it would be wonderful. <laughs> and then every now and then, I think, do I like this recipe or do I just like the, <laughs> the, 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 the lamb on top? Well, you know, it's, it's the default lunch, isn't it? You just get some rice yeah. and chili crisp, a fried egg if you're feeling fancy, and that's it. So. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is amazing stuff. I think it is amazing <laughs> stuff. I think. I guess 
kind of tied into the whole Asian Nigella thing. <laughs> and that is your name forever. I'm sorry, you can't do anything about that. I don't mind. Why would I mind? Um, you have a rice cooker. You're part of the rice cooker fan club. Yes. And this last series, we've we've actually seen it on screen. How long have you been? I didn't actually. I didn't use my rice cooker oh. for that. I'll tell you why. One because. When you're filming, you need two of things in case something breaks. Okay. And I also felt that I have got one, my rice cooker, which I've had for, I'm trying to think, 25 years, oh, wow. is, is sort of slightly falling to pieces ever, and I had got a new <laughs> one, but it's, it's not a very basic one. And I know it sounds odd, but I felt I didn't want people to think they had to get one that costs a lot. Ooh, or was it bells and whistles? Yeah, <laughs> No, it isn't because it's pre-bells and whistles okay. in a way because it's, it's an old Zosiyushi one, but I have got yes. a new one with bells and whistles. <laughs> I have got a new one, but I wanted, I didn't want people to think you had to get one that was, I also, you know, you can't put a big one on the counter when you're filming. You haven't got enough room. <laughs> I like spaceship. But, but I also wanted it to, I thought, well, if I'm going to have a rice cooker there, one, we need to get two, so it can't be too expensive, but also I wanted it not to look like you had to get one that you needed an engineering degree really fancy. and a huge budget to to get. Because yeah. I thought, because not everyone will use a rice cooker all the time. But no, they are great things. They are great. Do, do you use yours to cook anything else? Because you can like I take ha- some things in them, can't you? I know, but in a sense, I don't know why I'd need to, you know, do a cake in it. It might be better. I don't, I, I don't know. I did try, my new one has a tadig, <gasps> crust. Oh, mine does as well. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about it, but I'm not I sure. I didn't think it was as good as doing it properly, but I uh, might have done something wrong. Okay, yeah. The crust was good, but it, I I felt the rice was too cooked. Oh, uh, right, right. So it it doesn't do it quickly enough. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know, but it mean I, it, I think also when you have these things, you have to play with them a lot to get you know to get used to them. So I, I, yeah, so I bought a new one. I can't remember what it's called, but it is enormous. I can just about fit it in a drawer. <laughs> but, you know. I've made congee in mine. Because I used I to love have an old-fashioned one where you just, like, flip the button on and off and yeah. keep warm and cook, and that was it. Um, yeah. But I've got a new one now, which is which has got a, a few more bits in it. So now I've, I've, I've made congee in Which mine. one's yours? I've got the Yum Asia bamboo one. Yeah, I think I have. Does it? Is it quite wide? And yeah, it's green. It's massive. Bit, it's it's big. Yes. But the reason why I bought it was because it's an eight cup capacity, and the Zojirushi one that I was looking at was sort of three times the price, and then it had a smaller capacity. It was only five and a half cups, and so but the outside was the same, so that's why I went for the young yeah. one instead. But I love it. I think, yep, the, uh... the only reason I have a Zojirushi is because it sings. I want my rice cooker to sing to me. That's basically. Oh God, I would not. I so don't want anything. To, well. <laughs> I don't want a machine to sing to me. I I couldn't find. I see my Zojirushi one was quite small and sort of simple, but you know now they're all so big and complicated. But I did a lot of reading and I got that one, which said it was the the, the same one as you've got, which you said oh it's it's good, but it's not as expensive as the top ones, and it but you don't need to do all this. But I needed it to have a small capacity at the bottom because I need it to go from just one person eating. To lots. Yeah, that's just why I bought it as well. So you can do, you can, yeah. you can cook you can one, scale one it, person. Yeah. But I've done, yeah, I've done kanji in it. I put like chicken, chicken in, and just put one rice in, and then I actually filled it the water up to the line, and it worked really well. Actually, there was no stirring Did involved, it? and it was, it was quite good, good actually. Yeah. It was okay, good. Nigella, yeah. next cookbook, rice cooker cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> 
I always think it would be quite boring to do just a one, you know, when people often say, can you do a cookbook on this or that? And I think it's, well, I think what keeps it interesting as well is going from one sort of cooking to another. Otherwise, it, it, I mean, I don't know, because one has to be sort of interested. So I'm, I'm weeping here because my first book was about noodles, as you know. <laughs> no, but oh, I my don't... God, book yes, about but... noodles was so different. There were so many different noodles. That's not the same thing because <laughs> you're cooking things in a different way. Yeah, true. To do, a, to do something which was saying round a gadget mm. that does cooks in one way, I, th- I think would, after a while, you'd sort of... It'd be limiting. Feel, noodles. To be honest, you could do... Th- I mean, that's, that is a bit different, doing noodles. is a bit different from doing a rice cooker cookbook. Although I, that I like, but I love all those books. I mean, having said that, I love a single subject focus. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for those sorts of books. I mean, I've got like one book just on sweet potatoes. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. I think when you're when you're just doing on a single gadget, there's pressure. Obviously, you have to just use that single gadget, and so you end up doing things like sautéing stuff in your rice cooker, where it would be quicker and better to sauté on your stove. But like you know, like the instant pot. You know, the instant pot appears to be the most best-selling cookbook around the entire world. Instant pot books. Yes. They just all look so kind of. I don't know. I'm just being really prejudiced here. I I got one. I did get one. I did get one because I thought, well, and I made sure I got one with the stainless steel insert so I could put it on the stove. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because otherwise, I what, can't see the point in. Uh, I don't use it. <laughs> it. Um, the only thing it's fantastic for, but that would be any pressure cooker, is stock. Yes, I use mine for stock. That's pretty much all yeah, I use it for. That's the only thing I use it for. Because it gets really, really clear stock. It's beautiful. But don't you think as well as that if you like cooking, you, I don't like being shut out of the whole exercise. Or being able to peer in and stir and stuff. <laughs> yes. And of course, I mean, rice is fine. I can accept that. Um, but just generally speaking, in the same way as sometimes I don't really, when I make things in a processor, I don't really feel I've made it. I mean, often <laughs> it's simpler. I like the interaction. Mm. I no, I use my my bullet blender mm. quite a lot. Mm. It makes incredible marinades. I mean, if I've got, I often just chop up lemons and garlic and ginger and put some oil in and just blitz it into this thick paste and you know use that for chicken or whatever or lots of odds and ends. I think it's actually a, quite a good cooking tool. See, I don't have one of those, but I did buy a stick blender because of you, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, I stick. love Oh, I bought a stick, stick blender because of you in, like, when I was at university. <laughs> but it's stick blender is so good. Yeah, so good. It really is. Whatever pan, whatever bowl. <laughs> I know, and it, and, and it's, it's, it doesn't take up as much space, it's not as expensive. No, I love my stick blender, but I did get a Nutribullet once, and I... So I did it for what you're meant to do for a while. I don't do, you know, fruit drinks. I don't really like drinking food. I prefer... <laughs> Not a smoothie fan. You know, <laughs> I, I prefer proper food. But then I... But then I do use it for cooking quite a bit. I bought a really cheap stick blender, but, you know, you get, like, the little gadgets that you attach to it. it was, like, yes, yes. Like a cookworks one. Yes, yeah, yes. And I was feeling quite... You know, it's sort of talking about cook, eat and repeat. And last week or the week before, I was feeling the real drudgery 
of of mm. being the cook at home. Normally, I kind of find chopping an onion engaging is not the word, but you know, therapeutic. But like, I was just fe- really not feeling it, so mm. I actually just put, lobbed everything into this attachment on the uh, stick blender and just whizzed it. Mm. And it was fine. Not everything was uniform, but it was fine. It was okay, and I sort of got got through the day. So sometimes it's 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 quite useful things like that. You know, it's like I wrote about in the introduction to the, my crumble recipe in Cook, Eat, Repeat. You know, we feel more lyrical on some days than others. You know, you can't, it, it, I, you know, it's, I love cooking, but I, I'm wary of idealising it because sometimes you just have to cook in a bad mood. And in a way, that is, that is the point that you do just have to do it. It's not, you can't think oh, I don't feel inspired today because you still need to eat something, you know. So I think in that way, it sort of roots it to the real world. Yeah, and I go back to um, recipes that I've done before. I just, it, when you're in a bad mood, it's not the time to try yeah. something new, is it? It's to go no, back to no, things that you, know, you don't have to think too hard about it. So for me, it's like macaroni cheese and lasagnas and stuff like that, you know, cottage pies. Um, delicious rice rice and eggs you know things like that yes and I think as as well there are some days where you feel that you could cook anything and it would go wrong yes yes I felt you know that I don't know what it is and some and I think it's when one is is hurtling oneself in a in an impatient way and not and forgetting things I mean there are some days when you just know that I feel like oh I've lost my mojo and it isn't going to work that's when I get takeaway <laughs> <laughs> oh but I had I had one week though where I, I had sort of two takeaways and I thought I cannot get another takeaway and then so I'd sort of dig a shout out on my Instagram say what do you guys cook when you're sad because I'm feeling quite sad right now help me help me out and literally everyone was lovely and they came back with answers like um instant noodles eggs on toast jacket potato baked beans and cheese and I was like oh for god absolutely jacket potatoes baked beans and cheese is a legitimate dinner you know why am I making it so hard for myself you know so so that was nice it's interesting I I love the interaction you can get on social media about cooking and people talking about what they cook and what they find moving or what they like I find it it's the next best thing to sort of eating with people isn't it yeah, definitely. And I've, I've really, I love seeing what people have had for dinner. I always put a picture of my dinner up, you know, whether it looks good yeah. or bad. I always put a picture of my tea up. And I love uh, hearing what people have eaten. Yes, I do too. Because yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I, I saw you say, Nigella, was that you still have that thrill when someone makes your food and you see the I picture. I do. And that's really nice to know <laughs> because... I do, but don't you feel that? Oh, yes, I do. But yeah. I'm still kind of green, no. you know. I haven't been doing no, this that long. No, I think it... <laughs> I feel genuinely moved. It's free. I, I I am excited, and I when people do it, I can, I look at I'm looking at my phone, replying with this idiotic smile on my face. Oh, <laughs> no, I do love it. As far as I can tell, it is really lovely, but and and also kind of mad. I think that you do do your own social media because most people, I think, of your well, how do you call it, stature, let's say, would have a, a team member and then the tweets that were from you would be signed N, you know? But we don't get that impression from you. It does seem like you're genuine. Well, yes, I wouldn't enjoy that. I wouldn't enjoy that, I have to say. I mean, it means often I forget things, you know? <laughs> like if someone were employed to do recipe of the day and they did it as late as I do or forget sometimes, they wouldn't still have a job. <laughs> but this way you blame yourself. <laughs> 
But I prefer, no, I do prefer it. I can't see, I wouldn't, I mean, that's what makes it enjoyable. Mm, exactly. That it is an interaction. So the other ingredient that uh, Asian food Twitter got excited about was gojujang. Um, mm. How else do you use that ingredient? And the other ingredient we were also interested in was kimchi. And do you make yeah. your own kimchi? Right, I'll do the gojujang first. Well, okay. I, I can't remember how long ago it was. 2008 or something like that I think I I'm trying to remember what I which I'm trying to remember which book it was in I did um a I mean I feel slightly embarrassed about my titles because they are all wrong but anyway I, love your titles. So I, I, think I did a recipe for squid um with uh gojujang and I called it Korean calamari because you know I like a bit of alliteration <laughs> and I that and then I did so I got even worse and then I put it in some you know lamb mince and I called it Korean kima and um, I went all mixing I know that's wrong on so many levels but I use it quite a lot just in you know just when I have it there uh, sometimes just to give a if I've made something and I think mm, it's a bit it's a bit one-dimensional. I might stir a bit in just to give it a bit of oomph. It's an extraordinary paste in a way because it has so much going on at once. Now, kimchi, I have made kimchi, but I sometimes think I can actually buy better kimchi than I made. I do. I, the thing is, I feel I make a fermented hot sauce a lot. Mm, I need I'm to make just that. I've just got one. That, and I have do that mostly. And I feel that I'm probably have a limited ability to be monitoring all many Only so many pots. jars you can burp. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but although if I did them all at the same time. But I do, I keep meaning to make, because the, the kimchi I really love, and I used to go to a little shop in West Hampstead and get it, and it was just made by someone there and put in just those sort of takeaway tubs, uh, plastic tubs. Is the is the radish? Mm. Yeah, oh, one. Yeah. That's yeah. my favorite. That I I really love that. I think that's my favorite, and so I might I might try making it. I've worked out the paste I like when I make um, the kimchi, and I I really put masses of ginger in it, oh. which I love. But um, I just haven't sort of proceeded with that. But there are so many. I feel that I there are so many things I want to ferment and do and then I I don't know if I ever will do them yeah. I don't know no I'm I'd love to but then I feel that I've got to, I've got to keep things under control a bit <laughs> you, can't, you can't do everything you it's know I, I, I have made kimchi before but I, it's not something I do regularly so so I often resort to supermarket kimchi which is fine it's okay Talking about your, the TV show again, so um, mm-hmm. I was watching the episode where you make the Basque cheesecake, and there's the licorice, mm. the licorice sauce that you put on top of it. Now, the the, the bit where you're just sitting on your stairs and you have—is it a, a sewing kit or a makeup kit? That... No, it's 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 like a makeup box right. or a, a DIY thing. Yeah. Yes. So, so when you were sitting there and you started opening your makeup. Box and yeah, it was just stashed full of um, licorice. Oh, I know. And I said that lacrids was Dutch, not Danish. I have to do a huge apology to the Danish people. <laughs> oh, no. okay. I know. International incident. Um, oh, I know. But the thing I really loved about that is that it struck me that it was like a massive subversion of you know the thing where you have the biscuit tin that's full of sewing supplies. Yes, it's the other way round. <laughs> <laughs> and so that I was like, oh my god, she's done a subversion. 
any other secret stashes like that. <laughs> well, I have a chocolate cupboard. Right. But no, I mean, but I like, I, I, I do like licorice and I quite like that being in a black, you know, black box. Yeah. I feel that's absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, it's partly a joke. Is It's to have a bit of fun as well. Especially with the nail polish in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice it's a very nice nail polish. <laughs> but there were so many other nice licorice bits and bobs in there that I didn't have time to itemize. Made me laugh when someone on Twitter said, Oh, I can't believe it, she's doing a show and tell. <laughs> nice. I, my husband was taking I don't I'm not that big a, a fan of licorice yeah. but my husband is and he was actually taking notes he was yeah. like what's that actually, no don't don't get the guitars <laughs> I mean you've got to be really hardcore for those oh, are those the ones with like kind of the coating on them and there are the ones with a sort of um the sort of chili sherbet yeah, yeah. salt on the edge <laughs> Go on, that way. take the lining of your mouth off <laughs> Um, you said it would be impudent of you to tell us about Borsa because you've just discovered it yourself. Yes. Um, and Borsa was uh, Ash Sarkar's nostalgia. Yes. Thing. Her fish finger Borsa was. Um, yes. What what dish rings your nostalgia bells? What are my nostalgia things? Well, I think, you know, I've got a recipe in kitchen which is for something called my mother's praised chicken, which is... Oh. Um, you know, chicken in a pot with, you know, leeks and carrots and it's quite lemony. It's a bit not as lemony as the chicken in a pot with lemon and orzo, which is my sort of newer rendition of it in this new book. But I think it's that thing of, you know, that it's this bowl of chicken, which is not quite soup and not quite poached chicken, but somewhere in between. I think that for me is probably, um, it is very nostalgic. I don't know if I... You know, I didn't really adore childhood. I don't have any great desire to be, you know, to be, you know, put plunged back there. Um, I relate to that. <laughs> but but I suppose it's certain things like that. Definitely, yeah. you know, definitely. Um, but in a way, now I suppose because I have children and they're now grown up, is that. Um, Often I like cooking things that they like or that there is their childhood, and that comforts yeah. me. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, talking about the, the, the bird's eye water <laughs> a bit mm. more. Um, so I saw someone say um, the other day that apparently fish finger cells at Waitrose have gone up 87% because of you. <laughs> 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 and it's funny because I think you are one of the original influencers, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, it, I think it's true that if you say something or, or talk about an ingredient, people do rush to buy it. Well, you can never tell in advance, though. One, you can't think like that in a way when you do it, but you can't tell which of the recipes or ingredients that people will really want to do. We'll, we'll take you know, people's imagination. Yeah, you can't tell that at all. And one of the things that's always interesting to me when a book comes out, which I normally have one come out before TV, is that I love it when people just cook from it freely without being influenced. I mean, I don't mean I mind their influence. I don't. I love it if they cook things that are on the TV show. But nevertheless, it's, you know, it's quite interesting, you know, to see how the patterns fall. Now, when I, you know, in a sense, I... It's, it's writing about food or, you know, for me, the TV 
is just an extension of that. It's about it's just a way of conveying your enthusiasms, I think. So so if other people get enthusiastic, I'm thrilled. There was a slight gap between the show coming out and the book coming out. What what dishes do you, did did you see a lot of? What what did people seem to be making? Um, what... Well, they made they did make the fish finger porter. They made the crab mac and cheese. Ah, yes, a lot. Um, and um, interestingly, because it was something that I put in because I love them, but I didn't think there'd be a huge, um, you know. Uh, it would, they wouldn't necessarily be given, be given the biggest of embraces. And that's the black pudding meatballs. Oh. I love black pudding and it didn't look too difficult to do. I think it's very achievable. Yeah. What I do when I go through new cookbooks is I go through it and think, what have I got in, in now? What's in my pantry? And I rarely yeah. go out and buy special stuff. Yeah. So I could I made a fish finger butter yesterday because I always have fish fingers. Yes. Ginger garlic, you know, chilli. Yeah, yeah. So, so I made it for my lunch yesterday. Um so yeah, black pudding I do buy periodically, you know, kind of once a month or something. So that's definitely going to go on on the list, and it's going to get we know as a way to get the kids to eat black pudding as well without them knowing. So that's good. Was <laughs> to sneak it in, kind of introduce yeah. it's gateway sort of into into um, black pudding. I think anyway, in my experience, most of the time, eighty percent of the time, when children don't like something, it's the texture they find difficult more than the taste. So certainly putting it in something like a meatball where you don't have exactly that texture might help. It does. That's why the stick blender has also been a, a real friend to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them and I really, and the, the, there's another recipe which I put in and I really thought in the end I was ready to take it out. I almost didn't write it up, but it's a real favourite at home. In the end I did, which is the marrow bone mince, because I oh, thought oh, yeah. I, it's so many people wouldn't like it. I mean, it's got, you know, it's, it's got uh, dripping uh, suet and marrow bone in it. And I thought, who else is going to like it? But it's quite a few people have made that oh, too. Oh, nice. Well, it's interesting. So, with the dumplings as well, that's proper rib sticking. Yeah. It really is, although it is lovely on toast, I have to say. Yes. (laughs) When I did the audio book, the sound engineer who was doing it, who I who I love working with, but he did say to me after a while, he and I made me very self-conscious because he said to me, after every nearly every recipe says, and this is actually and this is all very good on toast. He said, Every (laughs) recipe you've said that to Oh, and this is good on toast. I said, everything's good on toast. But that's a good thing. That's not something yeah. to complain about. He didn't complain, but it made me realise how often I said it. Yeah, that's true. No, toast is good. Toast is good. Oh, your your toast is very good, though, because I, I double buttered my toast for the first time last week. And it was a bit of a revelation, actually. Oh, it was, it was delicious. <laughs> it's a revelation, but it will kill me, probably. I'm not... Oh, I'm... <laughs> I um, it's too good. I believe I believe in saturated fat. Yes, you have to. I feel that well I feel that human beings have been eating it for so long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned that I can't remember if it was in your latest book, but the fact that you're, you in your kitchen when you were little, there was a, like a drippings pot, and I I have a drippings yes. pot that I I got in a charity shop, and it's one of my favourite things. Um, and yeah. I, I think I do do that thing where I just chuck everything in it. So. Yes, that's what my mother did. Any old fat went in. Yeah, it's fine. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> 
just think life's too short not to eat belly pork. Do you life's know what I mean? Too short. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so obviously this is the Christmas episode. So let's yes. talk Christmas. So your your Christmas Eve dinner, it, 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 it's kind of scandy, I guess, in concept. It is a bit. I mean, although, it, you know, it's a bit here, there and everywhere <laughs> from those regions and I've changed it. But it, it's... It's the most, so my Norwegian pork ribs, I don't, it's just such an extraordinary way of cooking them. It, you know, I, I did feel like, can I do this? Because this extraordinary thing whereby everything you're told about getting really good crackling is don't make it wet. And so then putting it with water in a tin, covering it so that it gets so, um, so impregnated with the steam but then of course it makes it all puff up later and go extraordinary it's a I've sort of fiddled a bit I spent a lot of time in Norway when I was a child and they do the 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 Norwegian do the ribs out that way when when you've got the pork belly on the bone and you saw well, you don't, although I'd love to, I have to say. Um, I got the, asked the butcher to saw down crossways so you're cutting through the bones so that when you serve it, it's very easy to cut and it's in these little ribs. Um, now, in my memory and the, what the research I've done, traditionally, it's just salt and pepper for the seasoning. I put an awful lot more. I think you need a, to season a lot actually so and I quite enjoyed it so I did in this mash of dill and juniper berries and garlic and a lot of salt and I rather enjoyed it goes slightly like the spa in my kitchen <laughs> um a garlicky spa admittedly um so I rather loved that and then you know when I was writing about that I was thinking all the different other flavors you could do like that because in a way it's a method and you could season it as you like. And I do like, and, and I, I suppose I wanted to do a Christmassy meal that was also quite simple, that you could have the potatoes. I've done the Swedish uh, Jonsson's Temptation. Um, and that you could actually cook the day before and just leave in the pot and then just reheat if you wanted, or you could just assemble it and then cook it. And the pork is quite straightforward. I've got a cucumber salads that you just do in a keep in a, I do it keep it in a mason jar same with some pickled red cabbage I quite like the idea of something that didn't mean so much you know really difficult schedules and you know sort of clock ticking and you had to do this then and get everything streamlined the timing all dovetailing nicely together because really you could do it very gradually before and you're just taking out you know, and then you've just got your pork and your potatoes and your pickles. And that would be, and that seems to me, and I also roast you know, some roast quinces, which I'm really mad about because I've eaten, I love quince, but I just thought I wanted to just, when you just cut them in quarters and roast them, you're not doing anything to them and they are perfection. And I quite like that sometimes. You don't always have to, to introduce yourself and make something interesting. You're just using the ingredient. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think I'd probably have to have some of your fermented hot sauce on it as well. <laughs> yes, the fermented hot sauce definitely and the and the black bread I like. And I and I think I would also have to make your Oli Bolland and your apple flappen just so that I could say them repeatedly. Oh, oh yeah, I I'm making the apple flappen. Stop this saying year. This, the apple flappen. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping that for New Year. I'm keeping that for New Year. But the apple the apple flappen particularly I love. I mean I like the Oli Bolland and donuts are always nice, but the apple flappen are like 
tempura apples. Yeah, that that picture is just kind of. I, I, I the book fell open and I was just stared at the picture for about a minute and went, "I'm making those. I have to." I know those. that was my that was my Christmassy starry tablecloth That's hanging gorgeous. up behind it that I did <laughs> to give it that. But it's but really it's sandwiches after and leftovers afterwards. Oh, isn't sandwiches it? That's are the what best. I like about you know sandwiches, and I think that pork is really great with rice as well mm. afterwards. Yeah. So you mm. can I you know and that's wonderful because in a way, much I like cooking. It is quite nice just knowing by cooking one meal you've got the wherewithal for lots of others. Yeah, I like all your suggestions with what to do with leftovers and how to kind of reimagine them. I could have gone on forever, <laughs> I knew, on that. That's the most exciting bit about Christmas is the leftovers, I think, for me. I mean, it's interesting because I've always, always, always done turkey for Christmas Day. And I and for the first time ever, I just am not decided because I think <gasps> it's going to be so small. Right. But, I mean, you can get small turkey. My Christmas is going to be so small, I don't know whether to do it or whether to branch out, but I suspect I might get a small one. That was actually, I was going to ask you about that. I, I always find it kind of surreal, the fact that on Christmas Day, we're all literally, well, I say we all, but, you know, the majority of the country are literally eating the same thing. And that kind of messes with it. my brain a little bit, you know, the fact that we're... I rather like that. <laughs> love it. I love it, but yes. I just find it surreal, utterly surreal. And Christmas pudding I will make, because I do love Christmas pudding. Oh, but you have to prepare for that, don't you? Like... When, we've missed her up Sunday, right? That's I, Yeah, but I don't think you absolutely have to do it then. I don't see at all. I don't know. I think that's not necessary. Okay. <laughs> and my mother-in-law's going to send me one this year. Last year, she tried to poison me because she put nuts in it. <laughs> but like, oh. this year, she's doing a nut-free one. <laughs> so that was exciting. Over over Christmas dinner last year, when we were up at my oh in-laws. God, did you have to go to A&E? No, no, it's not that serious. Um, so oh, I right. just had to take an antihistamine. Um, but yeah. she's, she's, she had convinced herself that she hadn't put nuts in it because she talked about it. But then I kind of pulled out this walnut. I was like, this is definitely a walnut. It was so funny. It was, it, I, found, I found it funny anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm getting... Um, she sent me a picture a few weeks ago of this nut-free uh, Christmas pudding that she's... she's, she's I've not uh, tried to kill you this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what everything. she says. That's what she says. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> do you have a routine on Christmas Day itself? Like, when, when do you open Christmas presents? Are you before, before lunch or after lunch? I, so my schedule might be, um, I would sort of get up early, make sure, you know, make sure everything is under control and I know what I'm doing when, make myself endless mugs of tea, go back to bed and just laze about, hang about with the children for a while and then sort of slowly cook lunch so that it's in theory, you know, ready at around in between two and three uh-huh. so I suppose that's that's what I do and I have my schedule but a friend of mine came once for lunch and she said you should have done those at 11.30 because I was so behind with my <laughs> own schedule <laughs> because I do write everything down when it's like that because right. it's quite easy to forget but it's not you know I don't do anything particularly formal and you know I have so do you have a big breakfast or do you... No. No. No, I don't have a big breakfast. Breakfast is the only meal I have to force myself to have. I mean, I do eat it, but, you know, the, my children won't be up then, so I don't make... You know, I'm not, I'm making breakfast in that way. But I, I might have 
And I kind of save it all up for the one feast. I used to make these muffins, like Christmas morning muffins, years ago. And I do make them sometimes, but I might well do them on another day that's not Christmas morning if I feel I've got that huge lunch. I mean, my idea of a real treat is, is um, you know, uh, is toast and marmalade. <laughs> you I are love, Paddington. <laughs> I love good marmalade. And luckily I know someone who makes wonderful marmalade. Oh. Um, Elio, he's, he's, I don't know if you know, follow him on Instagram or anything. It's, it's called Elio's Kitchen. <laughs> and um, he makes the most wonderful marmalade. And I just always, you know, I... I start getting excited towards January when I'm going to get my next consignment. Really dark and bitter. <laughs> you do like your condiments, don't you? I was reading about how you, yeah. you, you brought back loads of fig jam, burnt fig jam. Oh, God, that's so good. <laughs> yes. I'm not actually, no, I don't have jam very often. I like it, but then I never finish it. I do like it, but I like it when it's got a bit of bitterness in it as well. Um, I prefer that. Um, no, so I might... I don't know. I'm not really a routine person. So I'm just doing my list and, you know, various and getting everything sorted. And yes, I don't know. This year, I feel it really may be different. And I don't know. I haven't really turned my mind to it properly. What, what, what's on your playlist? What kind of music do you like to play? I don't play music. Do you not? I do when I wash up. Okay. But I, I do when I wash up and I, disco is really what I like. Chris, Christmas disco? <laughs> yes, I'm happy with Christmas disco. <laughs> and, but I do have, now that's what I call Christmas on my <laughs> phone, my iTunes. I'm not, I mean, I don't even know how to work Spotify, so that's how I'm like. Um, I, so I, and I, actually, I, I, don't, I like a few carols. I do. I'd be very happy to have carols on. Carols from um, Kings, Christmas that kind morning. Of thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like. I do. I do like all that, but I also like that kind of musicy Christmas. You know, um, so stuff that's not going to distract you when you're getting. I, yeah, I'm, yes, I'm very happy with all that. But I don't know. But I also just quite like the sounds of everything. So you know, I've got I've got all my tea lights flickering away, and everything looks rather lovely. No, I like that. I, and the fire on. Might put put a few scented things. I've got some kind of. Someone gave me some pine cones that you put in, which have got some, you know, saturated with God knows what, but you know, to make everything smell Christmassy. And all my candles. Do you do stockings? I do. Oh. <laughs> I do. <That's> <laughs> um, it's harder when children get older, but I do do stockings. Yeah. <laughs> I must get organised. My nieces and nephews are around the same age as your children, and mm. they—I think they've got to the point where it's ironic stockings. So there'll be just very silly things inside, um, and sometimes yes, that's, I always put yeah. a tangerine in each yes, year. I mean, I exactly. don't know why. I mean, because <laughs> growing up, like we didn't really do Christmas, and we didn't do Christmas very well. Mm. And it was only yeah. after watching like Delia and you later on, you know, that we sort of oh, mm. this is how a, a British Christmas is supposed. to Mm-hmm. you know so so we didn't do stockings or anything like that so it's only when I started you know when I had children and yeah. I sort of thought okay let's do this properly now so we have stockings now and I put an orange in and some chestnuts yes, you see, don't know why yes, I don't even exactly. have fire well, to I was, <laughs> that was a big thing I mean I bought uh, every year I bought my children and I go well when I was young all you had in your stocking was you know a uh, tangerine and some you know foil covered chocolate coins but I do like doing stockings I like it's a rather nice thing it is nice I keep telling my children a lump of coal is coming their way so 
I'm sure they don't eat, I'm sure they don't <laughs> dread that. <laughs> but also, when my children were little as well, I started doing these um, edible tree decorations. Mm, yes, I see. Which is rather a nice that. thing, and I was rather mean, and I just put so much you know, ground, ready ground black pepper in them so that they wouldn't eat them off the tree. <laughs> so who eats them? Do you eat them? <laughs> no, I don't mind them. But actually, either way, I don't mind them. And I, but sometimes I've eaten them, but they just do look so lovely. I do want to do my winter summer pudding this year, though, mm. as um, because I think actually the thing of really tart fruit and cream is just the perfect thing to have after a huge meal. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to do your winter summer pudding this year. And I've got frozen fruit already, so I'm definitely going to do that. Unmoulding a summer pudding in, you know, when you've already got 92,000 things to do might be a bit stressful, but I'm up for it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if it, you know, isn't perfect. So anyway, that's what I've that's what I plan. In fact, I must sit down and make a list, which I always enjoy. And I think I'm going to do quite a bit of. I quite like the idea of doing quite a few sort of project style cooking over Christmas. You know, doing a lot. It's because you see, I'm not in the position you are when you've got. You know, you're when you have young children, you are really quite tied up. But I'm not, so I quite like the idea of doing the sort of cooking that you do over you know, over days or things I keep meaning to cook and I never get round to. I think that would be rather, I rather like the idea of that. Yeah, I think that's really nice. There's so many things I want to do. I, you know, like Hung was saying, I, I, I get your book and there's like little kind of tabs within it. And I think, yeah, I'll do that. I will. I really will. And so... Well, we're all, we're all like that. I mean, there's, I wonder, there's quite a lot from... Um, your Sam and Easter's flavour oh. book that I want to do, actually. So I'm going to have to find in w- which of the many piles in my house that's, un- that's in and get ordering some ingredients ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Me- yeah their miso onions are in flavour. I want to try those. They look, they look quite accessible. I can do those. Yes, they look yeah, wonderful. Yes. Now, there's lots in there that I want to that I want to get through. Very good. I quite like to try my hand at some proper handmade noodles, but I'm not enormously dexterous, so I both want to try and also frightened. But that's why I, I like the wide noodles recipe, because, you know, you're using papadale. Papadale, and, yeah. and I use that, and I'm like, And it was such a relief when you sort of said, you know, the, you know you've made, you did the old, old-fashioned loaf. Because she's like, yeah, sourdough, kind of too much commitment, a bit like having another child. So, you know, yes. I'm just going to make an old-fashioned. I was like, yay, I can do this. I can, you know, I can dissolve a bag of yeast. That's okay. I can do that. <laughs> so, that so I did that. So I made bread for the first time in ages. It is nice. It's rather, it is lovely making it, actually, isn't it? I think. It feels, so, it feels very gratifying to make something that's somehow so basic and such a, um, it feels like such a sort of an elemental force for life. Mm. and also i wanted to get to that stage where i could cut a slice of bread and toast it and do double butter so that was the main aim for me but to do the double butter at the end of it (laughs) um one of the reasons why i love christmas is it's that it's uh, the one time of year that fat shaming and it goes out the window and people um in my husband's family in particular yeah, eat for pleasure um, without any guilt. 
and we know um, that you don't believe in the concept of guilty pleasures, how do you think uh, we could encourage people to not put food into camps of either being good or bad? Well, I think you have to get sort of in underneath it and you have to stop um, banning stuff um, first. And then, of course, if you know you can always eat something you want, you don't overeat it in that sort of anxious, impatient way when you eat it. Because I do feel that it's... I think the difficulty, and I suppose also why you know, people feel guilty because that sort of de- the deprivation binging cycle is mm. so bad for you in, a- in every way and you do feel ill and you and you feel depressed with yourself. So I suppose it's knowing and I, I and maybe that's one of the reasons why often I like eating the same thing over days because right. I know if I know I can I feel like I really love this and I can have it tomorrow because mm. otherwise often you eat too much of something and the real truth is once you get over saturation point, you're not really enjoying it anyway. Mm, so yes. I think it's that thing of feeling, I can eat it whenever I want, which means you, you eat as much as gives you pleasure. And I do eat a lot. I know I do. Not as much as I used to. Then one mm. of the things about getting older, although I said that to a friend and, and she said, mm, you're still eating quite a lot. <laughs> but I it's can't. It's to me yet. I so. can't. Well, you know, I, I'm double your age, you know. So... Um, you, you know, I find I can't, I actually don't enjoy eating such huge amounts, but I do like to feel I can eat whatever I want. And it has to be what I want, really. And I do, I do really have to concentrate, like, what do I feel like? And then it's not, it's both a wonderful way to be, but it can be difficult when you're not in control of your food, because I panic if there's nothing I really want to eat. <laughs> but... I, you know, but I always, I always have food on me if I leave the house because yeah. I need to be in, um, I need to feel that I can. Like emergency snacks. <laughs> emergency oh. snacks, exactly. Um, I think the thing is, you, I think if, if you don't um, eat, sort of do that thing when you're not even breathing as you eat, but if, as long as you actually enjoy it when you eat, you just make a, to concentrate it, so not, oh, I shouldn't be eating this, but more, you know, how lucky am I to have this? I can't believe this exists in the world. And I do feel like that, and it makes me sound a bit kind of soppy. But I, <laughs> but I do feel that, and that gives me a lot of pleasure. So I think that's important, but it, it's, it, you, have, you know, you have to unlearn so much of what is inculcated in one, you know? Yes. And I think that... Some people find that easier to do than others, and some people have, you know, more of a background of difficulty when it comes to that. But I, but I think, but I think it's important to do it because otherwise, it it, it turns something which should be, uh, in a way, an arena of pleasure into into a means of persecution. And I think it's important oh. to try and avoid that, and. You know, it, you, I think, you know, you do it one bite at a time. Yeah, it reminds me of what you were saying about the whole kind of total immersion thing, to kind of try and focus on what you're eating and not just shovel it in while thinking about something else. Because, I mean, every you know, now yeah. and then, shoveling is also pleasurable. <laughs> but I tend to do shoveling too often. So. I'm a very fast eater, and eating slowly, for me, drains a lot of the pleasure out of it. 
Okay. And so, but I can't carry on like that. So, so sometimes I allow the first few, I keep my really quick pace for the first, you know, five mouthfuls, and then I allow myself to slow down a bit. Do, are you are you one of those people that saves the best bits till last, or do you kind of try and enjoy everything? I try and enjoy everything, but I do worry about what my last spoonful will be. Like, <laughs> I don't want to make it substandard, but I don't want to leave it all to that bit. But I mean, my problem is is that I I've often finished while someone's on their first mouthful. Oh, no. <laughs> I I find I just just carry on. You've been a part of our lives for um, over, over 20 years now. So How to Eat came out. The anniversary was two years ago, is that right? 20th anniversary? Yes, yes. And I was thinking about how you've, you've kind of taught me personally so much, and I don't think I've even realised it. So the fact that I own a Metzaluna, that's your fault. Um, <laughs> the fact that, you know, I, on my roast potatoes, I'll put semolina, or, or if I want to peel tomatoes, I'll, I'll, I'll douse them in boiled water. Again, that's sort all of stuff that I've somehow absorbed from you without really realising. It's a nice thought. Um, I mentioned to you before that, you know, the, the first Western dish I think I ever cooked for my boyfriend, who's now my husband, was your carbonara. Your new book has the lasagna of love in it. Yeah. I know that's going to become a family favourite. Um, <laughs> how, how, how do you keep going? What inspires you to just keep? Because, you know, you've never lost... I don't think you've ever lost your touch or your enthusiasm. How, how is that? I think people who sort of start now seem to be, I don't know if they're pushed into it or they want to do it, you know, they do a book a year, which I just couldn't do. Mm. I think that would be difficult. I don't know, because I always think I can never write a book again when I finish a book. That's it. <laughs> can't. I've finished everything now. I can't do anything else. But I suppose, I don't know. Somehow it just happens. So I suppose I am interested I suppose if I stopped enjoying cooking, if it became something that... If, if I started thinking I had to do... Um, I had to write a book because someone had suggested it. I'm very bad at ideas that aren't my own. And I, don't, oh. and I, I feel... I don't know that I could write a book that I didn't feel came out of my kitchen in some way. But... I never know what I'm going to do next or whether I can. Right now, I think, oh, I can't possibly write any more recipes. How can there be any more recipes? But <laughs> somehow, it often happens. I don't know. But maybe it won't this time. Do you think it is because you pace yourself? Because you're not just kind of, you're recharging between books. Yeah, I think so. And I think yeah. you have time to get like, oh, I really... And for ideas to come up and 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 for things, things just to sort of... To bubble up spontaneously. I mean, obviously, then you then you have to be a bit more organised. And again, it's like that mixture of having a framework, but just seeing where you're going to go. For me, that's important. But everyone's different, and we all work in in different ways. If I just thought oh, I've got to race and do as much as I can, and had to have a book out, it would be impossible. And the promo goes on for much longer than it used to as well. Gosh, yes. So that, and you can't produce and promote at the same time, I think. I was just thinking about what, what, what Mimi was saying and how she's, you know, feels quite indebted to you. And I, and I, I feel exactly the same, really. Um, um, you know, I think I've said to you on, on social media before as well, about like your um, chocolate fudge cake recipe from Nigella Bites that sort of followed me around my life since I was 20 is, is it did my 20th birthday my 21st it's did my um, brother-in-law's um, wedding um, I, I cut it and made it into a heart 
um, shaped for his wedding. Um, it was my mother-in-law's 74th birthday last I'm, year. I'm so, so I thrilled. Double, I did a double stack of that and uh, stuck some raspberries on top to make it look a bit, you know, a little bit, bit jazzy. Um, <laughs> so I just feel it's just... I don't know, it's just, that's why we're grinning at you, I'm like, very lunatic, grateful. I feel I'm slightly <laughs> blushing and looking awkward, but I am very grateful that, you know, we all share what we do, don't we? It's all a, it's all a way of saying, oh, look, I like this, this tastes good, and oh, you, you do that, and that, I, you take things from other people, and that's why I'm, you know, I'm so keen always to say where I got an idea for a recipe from, even if... I, I've gone somewhere different with it, you know, that I feel that um, it's, it's quite important. I find it's, it's just, a, it's, it, the, the genealogy of a recipe is important, but also just it's, you know, sharing other people's takes. It's very I, interesting. Exactly. I mean, related to that, I, I just, I, I think you are relatively rare um, because you are very kind of, you do love sharing and championing other people. Um, you are very comfortable passing the mic, sometimes literally. Well, I think it's, you know what? I feel that if you're an enthusiast in life, you're an enthusiast. And it's, mm. and your and enthusiasm is so, um, you know, is about, you know, other food writers, other people's oh. recipes. And I genuinely feel it. And it's a pleasure for me. Do you know, I'm not doing it to be, a good person I'm doing it because it's it's a it's a (laughs) it's a pleasure for me it's a pleasure for me but also it's um you know I do I think it's quite it it just feels like part of being just you know in the world that's the thing about what I was saying about how like when you do your social media you are so fully engaged and it is it is so it's such a pleasure for you know me and Hung and other people that follow you the fact that you're not off in your ivory tower. You're someone that does, you are approachable. You're someone that we feel that we can talk to. And oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so <laughs> pleased, actually. I'm so pleased about that. That does make me happy. It's true. <laughs> I just find out so much through you because you, you know, because you do um, credit other writers. And, um, you know, I found out about Alice Waters through you, you know, and I'm very pleased when, when you put uh, Mimi in your cookbook corner that other people have found out about Burmese fried chicken, you know, so I just think it's just, you're just, you're very generous. Oh, wow. I don't know that it's generous. I say it's a pleasure and sharing always is. It's a bit like, you know, when you taste something delicious, I like eating alone, but it's always lovely if you say to someone, oh, try that or how to taste this. You know, it's, it's just, it just, you know, just makes the day feel brighter. Oh God, I sound like complete mad person now but you know what I mean right. we're on the same wavelength <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I've learned um from you and um, you know because you've been in my kitchen since since my 20s is um I've kind of learned how to host from you in lots of ways but do you ever um get nervous cooking for guests or certain guests and do you ever sort of no because feel under any pressure or put no, yourself under but I don't but I don't invite people I don't know you know and by the time you're my age you've known these people for so long the idea that any of my friends would be in any way um anything other than you know affectionately mocking to me <laughs> um <laughs> There are times when I might feel I'm not up to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel, you know, and if it's... So sometimes, because I sometimes do a birthday, you know, my birthday present to a friend might be, I'll do dinner. Mm-hmm. I'll do a dinner yeah. for you. 
And then, of course, I might not know everyone who comes. Then I think, oh, they might be a bit disappointed because it's quite normal food. But, um, <laughs> but I, do, I do enjoy it. But I don't do a huge amount. I mean, obviously none recently. But, general, but I like it if it's, you know, if it's just the usual suspects and you're just standing stirring when you're talking to them. I, that, I do like that. Although, because everything's open plan where I am, it's bad for the washing up part because it you know it does mean that everything is you have to keep everything a bit uh you know you have to keep on it as you go no but i i I saw your tips that you gave for i can't remember one of your interviews where you said that that's when you you rope in other people and i like that (laughs) (laughs) although sometimes i do find it quite difficult if i'm trying if i'm doing something which does need a bit of concentration and everyone is around too near i can see that yes i find that quite hard it takes me longer to cook yes talking to me yes I also got really nervous because um, Mimi and I have been friends um, on Twitter for, for quite a few years, but we only sort of met up in real life in the last few years. And I was so nervous cooking for Mimi. I was actually, I was just like really, really frightened. And I sort of said to her, OK, you can come round, but I'm going to get a takeaway. I'm not cooking for you because yeah. you're the noodle queen. I'm not doing it. Yeah. But then you came round and I actually did cook for you and it was OK. But I, yeah, was, but, I was so anxious. But- Bear in mind that I'm the home cook and she's the professional chef, so this is utter nonsense. <laughs> but you know, I think oh, those. But that's oh. I understand that. If oh. I cooked, if you two were coming round, I'd be absolutely. I would be because you know, that's the whole point. You see, we we allow ourselves to get that thing that we're going to be judged on what yes. we do. We would never and, judge you. No, I know. No, but what I mean is, is that and once you can, if you can lose that, if yeah. you can lose that. Um, which is why I always encourage people to cook for themselves when they go, oh, I don't want to, because that's the easiest way to lose that, to learn to cook without always thinking about being judged. It's, it's our own, it's always our own fears about ourselves, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think as well, because like you're saying, I'm, I'm the professional chef. It's like, I, I, I am a chef and that's what I do. Yeah. And, you know, and I just said, I've all said to you quite a few times. It just means I'm good at standing up for long hours. Basically, it, doesn't, it means it means very little. I was working in um, the larder section of banqueting for a very long time, and so you know, you're coming around, and I'm not giving you. But I do. But I do. Or, yes, but I know. feel the advantage of you know being a trained chef, and I'm you know I I think there are advantages and disadvantages. But I mean, one of the advantages is exactly going to that thing of repetition. Is that the chances are anything you've done when you're there, you have had to do so many times that it becomes second nature. Mm. You know the way you know chopping things or something like that. Yeah. But I think I was I was saying that it's a big disconnect for me because like home like home cooking is where I find my joy. Yes. And for me, you know, I'm just one of those situations, you know, being a mother um, and being a woman and joining kind of uh, catering industry fairly late in my in life. Um, I sort of work somewhere where there's not, it's not my work cooking isn't particularly joyous or creative or, or any of those things. But you know, if you want 250 portions of smoked salmon cut beautifully i can do that i'll you know, remember but, that you know <laughs> <laughs> see, but, um, see this is this is the thing i mean i i don't have i don't really have knife skills well i you I, know I, really, I don't well yes well that's the thing i really love the fact that you've referred to yourself as the living embodiment of cack handed because i'm like that's me <laughs> yeah, but i really am and you know i was or, you know, and in a way, I've had to overcome a certain amount of embarrassment about that because I was always told off for being clumsy. I was told off for mumbling 
and I was told <gasps> off for being clumsy. And often people on the programme afterwards, people think, say things like, oh, she was drunk. And they often think I was drunk. Oh. I have a slur in my voice. So I, I think I must <laughs> sound drunk a lot. I never am when I'm doing my programme, all going on with anyone else's. But it's, I am quite clumsy. But I, when, you know, at times I, I do get nervous when they do the close-up on my chopping when we're doing oh. the programme. And I do have this inner cringe um, because I know I'm doing it really badly. I do it even worse <laughs> for the close-up. Um, but on the other hand, you, you know, we are allowed to cook just because we can't chop brilliantly. You can yeah, still do that. Matter, and it? it's quite important to let people feel that, even though, of course, I do have to, you know, in a way, I have to, you know, let my clumsiness and, and you know, and hopelessness, you know, be, be um, documented. I, I, I did like the tip of getting your, you know, your, your Game of Thrones glove when you use a mandolin. And I've actually been looking it up because I really want to get one now. <laughs> no, you absolutely have to. I think it's called a cut resistant. Microplane make one. Because so like it, used to, oh, it used to be more Game of Thrones. My new one looks darker rather than glinty. But, right, but right. they are, no, they're very good, actually. Really good. And t- talking of Game of Thrones, I know you were a, an avid fan. Did you make it to the end? Did I did. I just want to know, did you like the ending or not? I didn't like the ending, but I didn't hate it as much as everyone else did because I wasn't quite so... Not as invested. You know, I wasn't quite as invested. I almost felt pleased to be put out of my misery because although I really <laughs> loved it, because I, I was so feeling, what am I going to do with my life when this is over? <laughs> and I don't know. Sounds this like is such theory. an important part of my life. I don't know. That um, that I sort of felt like okay now I can now I can that now I can move on so that it helped in that way. Yeah, I I like I got a, a small bit of closure with Arya and Gendry. That was all I really cared about. So that was fine for me. <laughs> okay, so um, you've got a chapter which is A is for anchovies. We are the MSG pod, so A is also for ajinomoto. Have you ever used MSG in your cooking? Yes. What do you do with it? Well, I first got it for your chicken, Mimi. Um, I used it a bit before, you know, I've used it before, but just I try and add it to quite a few things. Like I might be, you know, add if I'm doing something which has, you know, some sort of flour and spices and oh. a bit. But I haven't really used it enough. I'm very open to more... I'm very open to more uses of it. Mm-hmm. I, I will. I will give you some tips afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So I have used it. What was I trying the other day? And I didn't. It didn't. It, I don't know exactly the best way to use it, really. So I. I use it if it's in a recipe, but I. I haven't quite worked out the best way. You know, as you were saying about stocks, it's really good in stocks. It's very good in savoury sauces. Just a tiny pinch. Um, but the thing I always say to people, if you're first kind of trying to lose it, is use it in your egg dishes. So if you're doing it in an omelette or scrambled eggs, that's a, a really good way of just teeny pinch of that. Oh, I, will. <laughs> I, I, will. I really like the um, your use of the word oomph. So I'm going to be using that. Whenever something's lacking in oomph, just a <laughs> pinch of it <laughs> might, might help. Exactly. Sometimes. MSG adds oomph in the same way that anchovies yeah. do. So. Oh, well, that's interesting because I've got a um, a recipe for, for a pasta with anchovies and chard. So I might try that without the anchovies and adding a few other things and putting some MSG in. 
Because I think it could be a real vegan friend. It could be a real friend for vegans, really. I mean, because I don't know if they can use like you eat those sort of uh, yeast, edible yeast flakes and things like that, but nutritional yeast. But, yes, yeah, I have those. Sometimes you don't want it to taste of yeast, possibly, and that's where something neutral like um, MSG helps. Hmm. <laughs> that's good. Does it always guess... only come in the MSG powder, or d- does it come in in any other form? It's usually just the crystals. Sometimes the crystals are of different sizes, so you can get very fine crystals, or you can get kind of slightly bigger ones. I think mine are quite fine. It, it's it's much the same, like in the in the same way that you use um, sea salt um, flakes as opposed to fine salt. You just got to be careful about the amounts that you put in. Um, I tend to say that it's about a quarter. Use about a quarter of the amount of salt that you would use. Because I've seen some people say that you use about the equivalent amount of salt, and I'm like, mm, no, that's no, a really no, that's bad far idea. too much. No, no, that would taste that would taste awful. <laughs> Here is our last question for you. What are you hoping to get from Santa this year? I really don't want anything. That makes me sound like I'm... Um, a saint. <laughs> yes, which is that I just don't. And I feel that there are so many people who are in need that, that I just wouldn't don't feel comfortable with if people you know spend money on me. Do, do you know what oh. I mean? I just feel that is so not... Uh, that is so not... Um, I just wouldn't feel right. Mm. Um, I just wouldn't feel right. But I, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, if I could, I'd have my children around me and that would make me happy. Aww. Aww. That was the right answer. I know, (laughs) but it's a bit of a naff answer as well. No. I think Santa's going to get you, Mimi, one of those uh, Game of Thrones uh, gloves. The no. throne. Uh, oh, yeah, you want a throne now. She doesn't want the glove anymore. She wants the throne. <laughs> so that was the national treasure that is known as Nigella Lawson. Her latest book, Cook, Eat, Repeat, is out now, and you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And yes, it really is her writing all the posts. When we found out that Nigella and I used the same rice cooker, we were so excited that I reached out to Young Asia to tell them and in response they've kindly offered to give away some of their rice cookers to MSG Pod listeners. They've offered us a silver bamboo, so that's an eight cup capacity rice cooker and that's the same one that Nigella uses and then also two of their bonsai bento electric rice cookers which are miniature rice cookers for one person and they're really lovely as well, they look like little handbags, they're really cute. So to win one of these fabulous prizes from Young Asia you just have to answer this one question. For what reason did Nigella buy MSG for the first time? So email us by Friday the 8th of January on the msgpod at gmail.com and we will announce winners in our following episode. Good luck everyone and Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! This was the MSG pod with Mimi A and Herne Black. The theme tune is by David Black and was produced by Venom Hill. We're taking a short festive break for now, but we'll see you in the new year with the legendary baker and writer Dan Leopard. Happy holidays! <laughs>